Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. I'm Simone de Rochefort, video producer at Polygon.com. I'm joined tonight by Christina Warren, senior writer at Gizmodo.com. And she is back, the champ, from her <laughs> surgery, from her month of not speaking, Brianna Wu. Oh, my God. Woo! Back you at guys it again. Have- you have no idea how hard it is to not speak for an entire month. You have no idea how hard it is. I really is, don't because yeah. I never shut up. It is, oh, my God. It is so hard. Like, first of all, everyone all around you assumes that you're stupid all the time <laughs> if you can't speak to them. And they assume, like, you're deaf, too. So you'll have strangers that will start, like, writing things out to you when you're, like, trying to type on your phone and communicate with them. It's uh, – it's really bizarre. And I have to say, okay, Christina, you're you're married too, so I know yes. you can appreciate this. All married couples have disagreements. You can have a great marriage. It's <laughs> yeah. just the way it works. Absolutely. So imagine how much harder it is to have that kind of conversation <laughs> with your husband <laughs> when you're having to type everything on the iPhone. Like oh, no. it's terrible. Oh, and you just my get like annoyed. God. You're just like, no, yeah. what I mean is and Right. Yeah. What I mean is, and then it's like, oh, you're not listening to me, only a serious <laughs> voice. And then over an entire month, like what happens is like now my husband has associated Siri's voice with my voice. So the version of Siri he now knows has a ton of attitude and swears constantly (laughs) and is super sarcastic. So it just, it blurs all kinds of reality. I'm glad that you trained your husband like a dog to think that Siri's voice is your voice. That's, I mean, that's as, the way it's as one go. should is Pavlovian, right? No, it's true. I'm it's imagining true. you communicating like an Elcor in Mass Effect, like typing out extremely angrily, <laughs> Brianna, I wish <laughs> you would take out the garbage. That's exactly how it, it's going. But yes, that that's the other part of this is now that I can start speaking again and my vocal qualities have changed. You know, I think of myself as like a a low-level Commander Shepard. So it's like, (laughs) on day-to-day, like, I'm thinking of myself, it's like, you know, this isn't about strategy or tactics, this is about survival. And I can't make those noises anymore. So it's like, now my voice is different. It's like, the Reapers are here. Oh my gosh. it's just not the same anymore. Like, how I perceive myself in my voice. It's like this disconnect between it. I want to know what the first thing you, like, slipped and accidentally said was. Like, what was the first time that you broke your vow of silence? Uh, When Frank barged in in the bathroom when (laughs) I had the door closed and I screamed. (laughs) So so that was it. Yeah, and I felt my throat bleeding. It was just terrible. Oh my god! Oh so, god! Yeah. Why? That's that's an image that. Uh, wow! Ow! Yeah. Well, we're so yeah. glad you're back. We missed I'm you. I'm so was, glad to be back. Oh my we god! We had great guests, but we missed you because the show just isn't the same without you. We're so glad you were able to join us for uh, a little Rocket bit of, 100. of episode uh, 100. 100 last week. I literally and can't exciting. believe it's been four weeks. Oh my god! I know me either. It feels and I like can, it's I, been four years. To I can, me. Yeah, I know, and I, I, I yeah. bet I can't. I can't Wait, even five imagine. Weeks. Four weeks. Four weeks. Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, we're we're so glad you're back. And yeah, I'm glad to be back. Stephen, Alex, Glenn, Georgia. Yeah, that's four. <laughs> Sorry, yep. I don't know where the fifth one came from. All right, all right. Well, let's let's talk about some tech. I've, I've yes. been waiting a whole month. You've been, wait, to do you've been this. waiting a month. We've yes. been waiting a month to get Bree's take on this stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, unfortunately, we're talking about Trump and tech. Okay. So, Curtis <sighs> Wisher. Sorry, what was that? Or Christina? I was, I was just saying we're not a political podcast, but unfortunately, the 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 policy, the the world of politics and tech are intertwining at, at a way that is unavoidable. So, given yeah. our, guys. our yeah. disclaimer. Uh, Kara Swisher wrote a very uh, brutal, earth-shattering op-ed about the meeting that many tech leaders such as Satya Nadella, Tim Cook, uh, Sheryl Sandberg had with Donald Trump today, actually, Wednesday, as we're recording this. Um, So there was a lot of talk about, like, what this meeting would consist of, whether he would be, like, ripping them a new one (laughs) as per a lot of the things that he said on the campaign trail. Uh, It turns out he was actually very effusively praising of them. Yes. Yeah. According to it was the total opposite of his meeting with the media. When he met with the media, he, uh, 
yelled at them and told like CNN, like you guys are terrible to me and you're terrible. And this is why you're going out of business and all that stuff. Uh, and, and not so with Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. (laughs) And and, and, and Jeff Bezos is interesting because he and Trump have, have not, uh, seen eye to eye. Uh, mm-hmm. I think of all the tech CEOs who were invited to this, somebody probably had the worst relationship with Bezos, <laughs> not only because Bezos personally owns the Washington Post, which, of course, has been oh. one of the most critical newspapers uh, towards Donald Trump uh, in the lead up to the election um, in both their op-eds with their editorial board, with uh, the fact that they got those Billy Bush tapes. Like, they really have not been Team Trump. And then personally, Bezos had made comments at conferences saying, like, I would like to send Trump into outer space and, <laughs> and, and, and saying other comments about how he didn't think that he was good for, for, for discourse. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and then Trump has said things to Bezos, like you have a, a, a know nothing, you know, a, a worthless company. And, and so they've, they've not been friends. What does Amazon even do anyway? Yeah, it's not like they're the world's largest retailer or anything. No. It's not like, no. But it's, um, yeah, it's interesting. And then I'm reading the quotes from Be- Bezos' statement in the New York Times where he said the meeting, he found the meeting very productive and talking about how the administration should, quote unquote, make innovation one of its key pillars and that they share that view, which obviously that's a, a statement that he's making to the press. He's not going to come out and say, well, I just met Donald Trump and I would like him still to be fired into outer space. But it's still, I think, the the point that Kara Swisher is making is that these these very, very powerful people are kind of are feeling things out and not committing to any one position on the president elect and that that in itself is kind of committing to a position. Considering, yeah, like- I mean, it's like Bezos's, you know, comments. I mean, they're very lukewarm. Like, don't upset anyone. You know, like, mm-hmm. like tr- plow the middle of the road, right? And I, I love that she called him Trumple Thin Skin, right? Like, yeah. that's just awesome. Yeah. But like, she's really giving a good point that this is where the line in the sand uh, is really drawn. You know, we're not going to cover this today, but Uber came out with this story. Uh, Uber's been in the news. Uh, you know, for different reasons, because they, um, it's been alleged that they have like a God mode to their, to their app and they used it to spy on celebrities and not that that's the central issue here. But if you look at Amazon, if you look at Facebook, if you look at Twitter, that wasn't invited over an emoji (laughs) and we'll get to that. But yeah, these companies, um, have a real, ability to violate our civil rights. And, you know, the thought of Trump, um, you know, working with these companies to like build up a list of Muslims, to build up a list of people that disagreed with him. You know, there are all these abuses that could happen. So to see all of these leaders sitting in this room with him, um, I really agree with Kara Swisher. I I would have liked to have seen them take a harder stand. I would have, but I also understand if you are the CEO, and most of these companies are public. There were a couple yeah. that were private, but almost all of yeah. them are public. I understand yeah. if you're the CEO of a public company, and the president-elect asks you for a meeting, and you've met with the previous administration, and you met with the administration before that, and you met with the administration before that. I understand as a public company why you would be unable to say, no, I'm not going to show up. That's even fair. if Even if you're personally not wanting to tell that line, I understand your, your duty is to your shareholders and the person who is going to have a potentially a large role to play in your tax code and in free trade issues and in other things that might affect your business is asking you for a meeting. It I, I can understand all other things aside why it would be – difficult to say, no, I'm not going to be at the meeting. And I think I, I what think makes this fair. different is that at the moment we have a president-elect where it, he takes things more personally than I think previous president-elects have. Yes. So if Jeff Bezos like goes to the meeting and then come, comes out and says something negative about him, it becomes a bigger deal than it, it would if he had said something I, about Bush or it, Obama. I mean, I would agree with that, but again, I I think the fact that they did go show up to Bush and Obama, you know, they they would go to those meetings means yes, that yeah. you, on principle, can't say no because that is a problem. And whatever you think about the the politics of the people involved, I think it would be a problem for a large public company being invited. And and I think that this is the case. You see this in other countries. You know, if the president of China is is asking to see for for meetings with these CEOs, they yeah. say yes. Yeah, you know, and 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 so. 
I, I don't think they're in a position. It would be great to say on principle, we're going to refuse to show up. But I don't think that they're in a position to say that uh, as public companies. And you mentioned, you know, Twitter wasn't there, Brie. I think, you know, there was the report that it was over the emoji thing. I think the real thing, I, that might have been part of it, but I think the real thing is honestly, Twitter is just not a big enough company. Do you um, really you look, think so? I, I do, absolutely. Because if you look at the market cap of the companies there, almost all of them were 100 billion plus. Hmm. Uh, one of the only ones that was below that was, was Elon Musk from Tesla. And Elon Musk obviously has a relationship with Peter Thiel, who's on Trump's transition team. Uh, I think they're kind of frenemies at this point, but they're both part of the PayPal mafia. And also, if you were going to be inviting tech luminaries, let's just be real. Elon Musk is someone you want more than Jack Dorsey. If you've got yeah, one seat at your fair. table, you want Elon Musk. But not only that, Elon Musk's market cap of Tesla is $30 billion, whereas t- t- Twitter is 13 Whereas you can find – you look at Facebook and it's 300 and you look at you know Alphabet and it's 600 and you look at you know 562 and you look at Apple and it's 700 Like it, It's not even in the same ballpark as um, – um, you know, the institutional tech companies, the Cisco's, the Oracle's, the Microsoft's, the um, uh, IBM's, um, and, and it's not even at the same level of someone like Facebook. So, you know, whatever other issues might have been involved, I think that you could make the argument that, that Twitter, despite how much Donald Trump has used and taken advantage of the platform um, – is simply not a big enough company to be invited to a summit like this. I, I, I have to say, you changed my mind on the first one and thinking through it. I mean, we're, we're three professional women on this podcast. I'm sure I, I will say I have had many meetings with someone that I personally find distasteful because yes. of their political views or whatever uh, that I've done because it's just part of being a pro, right? And I, I think you changed my mind on that, Christina. So I, I can agree with you on that. But Politico had, you know, a story basically saying it was over. Um, the emoji. You know, the the emoji. They wanted to have a crooked Hillary emoji. Jack Dorsey stepped in and personally you know, put that down. And to me, given, again, we're not a political podcast, but it is factual to say Trump has a very long history of vindictiveness. Yes. Mm-hmm. So to me, it is extremely believable that he might step in and, and say no, but it could be your way. I, I think I mean, that goes back to the yeah. point that I was making before, which is that, yeah, yeah, as a tech leader, you meet with Trump. But the thing that's different here versus Bush versus Obama is that they risk not getting in- invited back to next the next meeting if they say yeah. something that offends him after well i mean i think i think maybe you risk if you're a smaller company like i think that it's probably both right like mm-hmm. i bet that if twitter had played ball the way they'd wanted to even though they were smaller than all the others they might have been invited but i yeah. bet it was probably a combination where they're saying well we only have so many spots and since you didn't play ball with us we won't yeah. but i can't ever imagine i mean maybe i can but i but you have to think you know uh, if you're a prudent leader and and, and, and you have a, a leadership, you can't imagine that you would honestly say, you know, I'm not going to invite Tim Cook to a meeting because, um, you know, I don't like his response to this. That's or true. I'm not, go- I'm, I'm not going to talk to, to, to Larry Page. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I almost feel like there, there, there are certain people at that table who maybe you would be able to be vindictive towards and say you're dispensable. But I feel like there are certain other people who are at that table who, regardless, you know, just the same way Tim Cook can't say no to Donald Trump inviting him to a meeting, mm-hmm. Donald Trump can't have a meeting of tech leaders and not invite Tim Cook. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's fair. fair. That's fair. I also think it had the opposite effect. I mean, you know, a lot of um, images came out of this meeting today. And I mean, even though the reports that came out of it made it sound like it was very conciliatory, uh, you know, the pictures of Sheryl Sandberg and Jeff Bezos, no one looks happy. To <laughs> doesn't look happy. It, there's a phrase from the Princess Diaries book uh, called Eat a Sock, like when Fat Louie eats one of uh, Mia's socks. And that's what every one of them look like. <laughs> like they've got indigestion. It's, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I almost think that, in coming together, and you know these people talk behind the scenes about what's what, and you know, I just, I almost wonder if there was like a feeling of solidarity in all of them being in that room and being like this isn't a good thing. So I wish that we could know as what kills me. Before, you know, the summit started and before there was even the invitation, there were certain CEOs who were much more um, open and happy to talk to the president-elect than others. And, you know, uh, Jenny Romney, uh, Romney from IBM and Safra Katz from Oracle being two examples, two database companies, which is 
distressing. We're both like, we will work with you any way we can and we look forward to working together. And, and so, you know, and then if you look at the transcript of the opening remarks, um, the, the, the Washington, the Wall Street Journal had, you know, everybody for the most part seemed kind of conciliatory and like, oh, happy to be here. Anything we can do to help. And Jeff Bezos, this actually honestly disappointed me because if you're going to have a position that you have until November 8th, To immediately switch it on November 9th to me just seems it just I it, it, it own own your stuff is all I'm going to say. So he was like, yeah. oh, you know, mm-hmm. I look forward to you know, I, I the possibility that this might be you know an innovation, the first innovation administration or something like that. And it's like you don't actually believe that you're saying this because you're in this meeting and now you're on the record, but you don't actually believe that because when you were interviewed about these things three weeks ago. A month ago, you had a completely different perspective. You know, <laughs> right, you, you right. Know how, things have not changed in a month when absolutely nothing has happened, and with anything, if appointments have been made that are even less, you know, uh, to to your point of view, um, you, you haven't switched your position. So I don't know. No, I think that's definitely fair. I definitely, uh, I I do think that it's really critical now that for people in the tech industry, you know, like including me and anyone here needs to really be having conversations with themselves about ethics and what we will build and what we will not build. You know, there's, there's a saying about history that we think it's new, even though it's the same story happening over and over again with new technology. Mm. And I think you can look to other patterns of history where, you know, things like, you know, Trump talking about, you know, banning all Muslims from entering the United States, where that went wrong very quickly. So I, I know over in the game industry, a lot of people that work on mobile games have had really detailed talks about uh, collecting user data. Um, I have to tell you, keeping collection of user data out of Rev60, I had so many knockdown, drag out, screaming matches over that from everybody that we talked to that wanted to basically spy oh. on our users. And we really had to go to bat over that. So, you know, that's just in the game industry. I think for everyone that works at Apple, that works at Twitter, that works at Facebook, I think it's, you know, Oracle, IBM, mm-hmm. it's really imperative that we really sit down and think about the products that we're making and really think about what the real world um, you know, consequences of that could be. And that's why I was so happy to see a story come out this week of you know, basically a lot of technologists coming forward to say, we will not build tools that you know, put together databases of certain religions. Good. I mean, how many violations of privacy have we seen just in this last year alone? It's been so many. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's a rising trend or just that we're more aware of it now. But I mean, the constant push and pull between people trying to get information out of you know the services you use and people trying to make those services more secure, that's every day. And it is, it's frightening to think of more people in power who don't prioritize the protection of our privacy. Yeah, I think that's well said. Thanks. <laughs> this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Casper, which protects your body from being sleepless and sad. Casper is a mattress company that is focused on one thing, and that thing is your sleep. They make mattresses. They make pillows. They make dog beds. Even your dog can have a good night's sleep with Casper, and that's super important. You want that dog to be well-rested. But enough about the dog. I'm here to talk about me. I'm right now sitting with my body on my own Casper mattress. Thank you, Casper, for sending me this glorious mattress. I'm stroking it right now with my hand. It's, well, my, my sheet isn't very nice to touch, but the mattress underneath is supple. It's firm. It's comfortable. It cradles me every night and for a large part of the day on weekends. Uh, it does a lot of work to support my body and it does it well. I feel very good. Even last week when I was very busy, I did not sleep a lot. The sleep that I had felt so good. And now this week that I'm catching up on that sleep, this mattress will not let me go from its clutches. Every morning I wake up and I think it's not time. It's not time. Don't make me go out there. I don't want to go. I'm not ready to go. But eventually, because I am strong, a strong individual, I do pull myself away from the Casper. It's hard, increasingly harder every day. Do you want to experience 
true joy and bliss. The Casper mattress at casper.com is for you. You should seriously go check it out. It's a wonderful, delicious mattress that can be shipped to your home in a box that even I could lift with my weak noodle arms. And inside it is a mattress that's rolled up like a, a hostess Twinkie or something, except rounder. What's the round one? The swirly round one. A oh. ding dong. A ding, ding dong. dong. It's like a ding dong of a mattress. So you pull this out and you, you know, cut the plastic and it blossoms or explodes verily in front of your eyes into a beautiful full-size mattress. Actually, it could be several sizes. It could be a full-size, like mine, which is $750. It could be a queen for $850. It could be $950 for a king. All these mattresses are made in America and you in America can put your American body on an American mattress with Casper. But of course, even if you're not American and you live in America... Get an American-made mattress from Casper.com. No discrimination here, folks. Sit on a mattress and be happy about it. And if you don't love the mattress, 100 days testing out this mattress, you can send it back. You won't want to. You won't even be able to get out of bed. You can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting Casper.com slash rocket and using the offer code rocket. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you, Casper, for supporting this show. And Relay FM. And that's what two alcoholic root beers before a podcast does for your ad <laughs> reads, folks. Christina, how do, you, how do you not laugh when Simone is doing an ad read? Like, do you it's mute so hard. your microphone? I, or sometimes are I you, do. Yeah. Sometimes I genuinely do yeah. because otherwise I will interrupt her great ad read and right. it will make things terrible. No, because Simone's the best. Wow. 100 you episodes have- in and 101 episodes in and she's still like bringing it every time. Oh my god, Simone. <laughs> there's that laugh we love. Yes, never change Simone ever. Ever. I can't. That's the true curse. All right. Well, let's talk about something else that's terrible. So, Samsung has discussed <laughs> the necessity for Note 7 recalls up to the point where they have discussed basically breaking the phone there. I, am I correct in saying they're currently not allowing it to charge above 60%? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it can't charge That's been above the case 60%. since November. That's um, been the case since November. Yeah. And, um, they're going to be basically breaking Wi-Fi and data access. Uh, and, 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 and using the phone when it's not plugged in. Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So basically, and, and all, so, so all cellular of- access, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and doing anything with the phone unless it's physically plugged into a charger. Mm-hmm. All the things that you might want to do with your phone when you're moving can't do with your phone because it's freaking time. It's been literally months since they started catching on fire. It's been literally months since Samsung has been like, we're going to stop making them and also like give them back to us so that and we can give you new F- phones. It's been months since the FAA was like, you can't get on an airplane with them. And the CPSC and the other protection agencies in other parts of the world were like, yeah, these are recalled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stop this. If you are on an airplane, they will tell you if you have a Galaxy Note 7, s- stop. Turn it off. Throw it out the window. Don't throw it out the window. That's probably very illegal. No, if you get on the plane within the first place, like you're going to jail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. basically yeah. you're violating the yeah. law if you get on it with the first place. But if you somehow get through... Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, okay. Well, here's a special flame, flame you know, um, flame retardant bag that it has to go in. Jeez. And you now have to watch this the entire flight. Wow. It can't be out of your sight. Which this I'm is sure your you're, you're, explosive you're, you're see- baby. Keep an eye and on it. Se- imagine how your seatmates feel. I would be like, if I sat next to someone who snuck a Galaxy Note Seven on the plane. Oh, and like yeah. was in one of those bags. I'd be so mad. No, I'd, I'd be, be tweeting. Furious. Where is the power of public shaming here? So the. Top um, U.S. carriers uh, have revealed when they will be releasing Samsung's update to basically break the phones. Um, Spoiler alert, only one of them, and that's T-Mobile, is doing it in December. And they're doing it on December 27th. Everyone else is doing it in early January, except Verizon, which has yet to confirm whether they will be releasing the update. Yeah, so Verizon's original statement was... Yeah, so about that, we know that Samsung wants to issue this update, and Samsung has issued this big press release saying, no, we're going to issue this update and brick the phones. Uh, yeah, no. 
So we're not going to allow this update on our network because we don't think that people with these phones that could blow up should be able to be without them during the holidays because it could be bad if they need to reach people, you know, make cellular calls or um, do, uh, you know, have like an, uh, if you have like a medical emergency, we don't like the idea of people being with a bricked phone. So we're not going to issue the update. AT&T was like, well, we'll issue the update, but not during the holiday season because you know that could be bad. So we're we're gonna we're gonna hold off. But both Sprint and T-Mobile are like, well, yeah, we'll 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 issue the update. You know, when I when I read this news, the only thing I can think is if only there were a way for people to obtain new phones <laughs> that didn't yeah. explode. If only well, those existed. If, if only that. Well, this is to me. I mean, I know that Bree and I we disagree a little bit about like Verizon's stance here, and we'll get into that. But this is kind of my take, like with the carriers kind of pushing back. I would be more amenable to their position of saying, "Well, we don't want people to not have phones, and we don't want people to be in a position where they can't call for emergency services, and we don't want them to be without a phone during the holiday season." I would be more amenable to that if the companies themselves had made the exchange process easier. Yeah. But because I've received literally dozens and dozens of emails throughout this entire recall process from people who've gotten the runaround, not from Samsung, but from the carriers where they bought the phone. Oh, I, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Where they literally have been told, oh, no, you can't return this or you can exchange this. And they really give them the runaround and really have tried to prevent them. When the first recall happened, they really tried to prevent them from returning the phones. Then that got wider and they were like, well, we don't have anything to replace it with, but we'll give you a replacement. Then they did the second real recall, the you know, the bigger recall and and they still kind of have had people there have been users who've had a hard time returning their phone and getting an exchange and getting a credit. And so I'd be more amenable to this whole, you know, the to Verizon stance if Verizon stores, Verizon retail stores, Verizon out, you know, affiliates, people who use their name had done a better job of actually returning the phones that people bought from them. If they'd done a better job of saying, "Here's an S7, mm-hmm. or here's a, an iPhone 7, or here's a, a, here's an a LG. for an S8. Here, here's a Google Pixel. Here's something else. Instead of giving customers the runaround, but instead I've literally received dozens and dozens of emails from people who've said, I tried to return my phone and was told it's really not that big of a deal after the second recall, or oh. I had to wait in line all this time, and I had to get on the phone, and I had to do this, and I had to do that, and they've made the process a real pain in the ass. Right. Um, Samsung has said that so far 93% of customers have returned their Note 7, and I think they sold like you know $2 million in the U.S., and so that still leaves you with a couple hundred, a hundred and something thousand in the wild, if you do the math. And so yeah. that's not insignificant. But, you know, Verizon's the the, the biggest carrier, at and the second biggest. And I don't know, I love, I, I know we have different opinions about this, Brie, so I'd love to get your perspective well, about I, I don't what know it means when a, car- when a carrier says we're not going to issue an update. Well, I, I want to stop and, and talk about the carrier point for a minute here. You know, all of us have iPhones, so I'm guessing, like, when stuff goes wrong, we go to Apple and not to AT&T. I've had to go to Apple, I'm sorry, to AT&T quite a bit this year and deal with their people, just like when I get doxxed and have to get a new phone number, uh, you know, like, I have to go there. And everyone that works there, it seems like they're praying for sweet death. So oh, it's, yeah, very, it's very easy for me to imagine it being like a, a poor experience, right? Like uh, not being aware of the policies for bringing it back. So I, I think that's a really fair point, Christina. Um, you know, I don't know if our positions are really that different. You know, obviously, this recall is very, very serious. Uh, you know, this is a, a very high statistical number of these phones have caught on fire, have hurt people, have damaged people. It's a really serious situation, especially when they're, you know, the ones that are replaced are still catching on fire. So I, I 100% am behind this recall. I'm glad to see them patching updates to to alter this. What gives me pause, though, is a, a greater argument that I think is at least worth thinking about here. Um, Very often, I can't buy computer parts to repair things that have failed because those parts don't exist, right? Like the company won't sell them to me. Um, So we're slowly moving into this, um, into this 
age where none of us really own our gadgets. Now, I'm comfortable with that, but it it does give me pause to see someone has bought, you know, this Galaxy Note and it's being severely degraded in its capabilities through, you know, forced updates mm-hmm. and eventually is going to stop working. I think it's absolutely warranted in this case. But I do think it's worth asking ourselves, like, yes. do we want the carrier to have um, almost a veto power where they can say, you know what, this is consumer hostile, we're not comfortable with this, we're not going to ship the update. I'm glad that precedent exists, even though I personally don't agree with Verizon operating it in this case. Um, you know, there's a lot of air travel over the holidays. So I actually don't even agree with their, like, is it a safety issue or is it not? Like, right. you know, no, I agree with you. Um, mm-hmm. Like if you're going to update it, do it before the holidays. I don't want to fly with these people next to me. So <laughs> Expedite um, people who come into yeah. your store with the Note Absolutely. 7. Expedite them. Let, let them go forward. You know, make make sure you have replacement phones available. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I totally agree with you. And we've even mentioned this before. Like, I feel weird about the fact, even though it's warranted in this case, it does feel weird to be okay with a company basically issuing an update to brick the phone. And I think when we talked about the recall a few months ago, I even said, I was like, I think they're going to have to get to the point where that's the only way they can get all these back is if they make the phone useless. I think that's what they're going to have to do. And it gives me the heebie-jeebies. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. when Amazon, there was um, a copy of 1984. It wasn't actually published by George Orwell's publisher. It was like a knockoff copy but if you bought it on your Kindle, Amazon was able to go into your Kindle and delete it from your library. What? That's I mean, in the is, public domain by now, right? Well, it's no, weird. No, it's, yeah. it, it's not, but it's oh, not. It but, not? But it, okay. It's not. Yeah. But, but this, and this was like seven or eight years ago. Like this was a long time ago. But remember when that happened, people were like, oh, Big Brother is removing you know, books you bought from a device you own. That and irony and is that, really delicious. It, it really is. But, but you know, you, but you think about things about how the, the, the nature of ownership has definitely changed in this digital age. And, and I think we've started to understand and accept that when it comes to video and when it comes to music and, and even when it comes to maybe digital books. But when it comes to our, our devices themselves, it's a much bigger leap to take and say, I can buy a phone and the, the manufacturer can at their whim make it not work. And and that's a problem. That's problematic. I 1000% mm-hmm. agree with you, Brie, even if in this case, it's useful. I guess where I feel weird is that I would feel better if the carriers had ever had, um, I guess, uh, a history of doing the right thing for the consumer. But they don't. Like, there are there are a number of Android phones right now made by a, a company called Blue, a BLU. And what they basically do is they buy a lot of knockoff Chinese phones and then they rebadge them under the Blue name and they sell them for very, very cheap prices in the U.S. Well, those phones have malware on them and, and stuff that spies on users. And it's become kind of a big deal in the Android community in the last couple of months. Blue was issued software updates. Basically, they were called out and said, hey, your stuff is spying on people and is sending back information it shouldn't be sending back. And it's basically got like malware on these phones. Like, this isn't good. And first of all, you have to understand most people who are buying like a $100 phone or a $150 phone aren't going to be as savvy anyway. But the bigger problem is Blue is like, well, we'll issue an update. But the carriers won't approve the update. And so you've got people who buy these these cheap phones and then can't ever get an update for it. And so I would feel – I guess I would understand Verizon's position more if Verizon wasn't a company who historically has held back security updates, who has held back other things for their own reasons. Oh, well, we need to make sure it's fine on our network, you know, rather than saying – there's a problem with this phone and it has, you know, it's vulnerable to this rootkit exploitation or it's vulnerable to this or that. And so we're not going to, um, you, we're, we're going to, we're going to put the kibosh on it. So like they've been in past cases, you know, they've made decisions to not allow software on their network, um, either because they, they say, well, we don't support the phone anymore, or, you know, we need to do more testing or whatever the case may be that, but could potentially make put users at a security risk. And now we're in a situation where, I recognize the potential for, you know, consumer advocacy of saying, well, we don't want another company to brick your phone without, you know, our permission. But like they don't, I I guess I just look at their track record and I'm like, but you are the worst people to be making this argument because you literally, you've never seen You don't really prioritize user safety. Exactly. So what, what is the actual danger to Verizon and their network 
if they issue, say, the security update that stops malware on these phones? Um, if they haven't tested how the radio stack works, I guess this is their rationale. They could maybe cause problems for other users. I'm not really sure. Apple is the only company who, because they're smart and because of the leverage they had when it was an AT&T exclusive when they made those deals, and then the the leverage they were able to, able to get when they went to other carriers – that has full control over issuing the updates directly. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the, the some of the Google owned phones can do that too. Microsoft even had a hard time doing that, and 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 even with Google, it's certain things like the Pixel. Verizon still has to kind of say we'll let the security updates through. So, the some of the carriers are just very Verizon in particular. It, you know, they love to kind of tout the reliability of their network, and so they don't want any software on their network that hasn't been fully tested. I think Apple has its own testing labs, which is one of the big differences between the other phone makers. Most of the phone makers aren't big enough to kind of create their own cellular testing labs to go through all the So it's at cost to them to test these updates and figure out if they'll affect the network. Precisely. And so when they issue, you know, an update, it's it's been verified on on all the all the different um, you know, wireless uh, carriers. But do you you know what occurs to me, Christina, and this is just thinking about through an accounting perspective, but you know, when Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile makes X number of dollars when they sell you a phone on their network, right? Especially with this move over to, you know, like finance plans on your phone. Like for me, it's Citibank paid Apple $900 for my iPhone. They got that money and now I'm paying Citibank for the phone little by little. I almost wonder if this is, um, like there's also a huge financial motive for them to push this off too, because there's going to, if there's a phone recall and they're getting that back, that's going to affect the profitability for, you know, Verizon, AT&T, any of these companies in Q4 this year. So there's also like a a financial incentive for them to delay this or drag this out. I hadn't hadn't even thought of that, but you make sense. And I was wrong. I thought that Sprint was going to issue the update in December. They're not. You were right, Simone. Sprint will be doing it on January 8th. But yeah, you make sense. Like, so after... That's a whole new year of taxes. It's a whole new year of taxes. And so uh, if your fiscal year has ended, then all of a sudden, now you can defer that. So they've already done a lot of the replacements. They've already done a lot of the exchanges, but maybe hold it off however many you have left. Yep. And until the next year, I hadn't even thought of that. That's a good conspiracy theory. I believe that. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's just sense. Like, you know, yeah. we, we think about that stuff at our company. We're a hundredth of a fraction of it, right? So I, I don't know. It's um, I, I think the point overall point is very well said that Verizon does not have a record of working, you know, being user positive in, in this case. And it's, it's just a mess. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it... I don't want to sound like an Apple fangirl, but like it's a really good thing about Apple that yeah. if this had happened, the updates would be coming, the recall process would be smoother, the security would be a priority. Mm-hmm. And it's just uh, honestly, like there's a, a story that came out this week that, you know, Russia is. Uh, Russia didn't just hack the presidential election and hack the DNC emails. They also targeted House members and swing states. You know, for me, uh, as someone that's been looking at running for Congress, you know, I take that security very, very, very seriously. It's more than anything else with Apple. It's the security. You would be that makes literally the most secure person in the entire House. <laughs> <laughs> Because you know, know what TFA that. is. <laughs> I do. I do. We have it enabled on everything. Sorry, yeah, I derailed your your point there, but <laughs> no, yes, no, 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 no. No, yeah, like I, I think about ownership of things all the time. Just I mean, as a person who reads books almost solely on my devices, who listens to music on all my devices, and it really does bother me. I often consider what would happen if a company just, or if like licenses were revoked for things, and I just lost all my media or whatever, but. I mean, this is a case where the phones are literally catching on fire. This is the the worst case scenario, y'all. So in this case, like, I have to say Verizon is being irresponsible in the decisions that they're making. I totally, I I also agree with your conspiracy about the the taxes. That makes (laughs) 100% sense. You heard it here first, folks. Unless somebody else scooped us. 
It's not a company the size of Verizon would not be a company the size of Verizon if they weren't really skilled at thinking through this kind of stuff. So it's not a conspiracy theory. It's just like, you know, marketing is going to talk to different areas and they're going to come to consensus. Well, it just kills me. Like, why, when you know, like, phone, the devices that people use on your networks could be running better if you prioritize testing, like, to make sure that updates can be pushed out. Why? Why not prioritize that? Surely it must come back positive cost-wise in the end. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not an accountant. I'm just a (laughs) person who wants phones to work. Yeah. Before I move on, Christina, can I ask you, did we ever find out what the 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 underlying problem was for why these no. were catching on fire? We still do not know. From last okay. we've heard, you know, Samsung is still investigating. Uh but mm. the, the last reporting is they do not know. I mean, and they've they've promised to give an accounting once they do find out, although I mean mm. I believe it was the <laughs> I, I devil. Will say this. I think the phones were possessed by the devil. I think that that's <laughs> I will say fun. this. You know, people are kind of have kind of forgotten about uh, it for a little bit because other things have happened. I think by the time that the the S eight is announced and it's it's expected to be announced you know, in March uh, or February, I think by the time that announcement happens, they will have to give a full accounting uh, for for what happened with the Note seven because if they don't, it will be very very difficult to convince not just consumers but I think the press and the and the people industry people writing about them. Uh, to, to trust them at all mm-hmm. unless they are able to give a full accounting of what happened. I mean, I know that I for sure, if I go into a briefing for the the next, you know, S8 phone and they're talking to me about this great battery life, uh, unless they can show me diagrams and they can explain why the Note 7 was was blowing up, I'm going to be asking a whole bunch of questions about a lot of the internals. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, Good. like there there's no way that, that I'm going to just be taking, oh, well, we, we figured out the problem. Okay, well, what was the problem? You need to give an accounting. And how have you solved this in your, in your manufacturing process? Have you ch- ch- um, solved this in, in your, um, you know, parts process? How have you solved this with, you know, your engineering? Like, what's going on? Because w- the, the last update is that we don't know, uh, but they're going to have to give it, they're going to have to provide answers but before they release another phone. Mm-hmm show so we have one last very serious topic to go over and i would like to explain herself (laughs) and what the information that she brought to us which was very very concerning to me personally very very important (laughs) information so okay simone the most feedback i've ever gotten about any segment on rocket was ours about which Pokemon character you would most like to date? date <laughs> I've gotten more yes. emails about that. Yes, date. I mean, we're we're family show. Um, so you know, over this last month, Pokemon Sun and Moon have come out, and I I swear I almost want to make this a whole topic just talking about how extremely good these games are. Have you have you played them much, Simone? I've not played the new ones. <gasps> no, I know that it's they are. So everyone loves it's them. So they're good. really good. It's so really good. good. So. Oh, Christy, if you play, like, we should, like, figure out trading Pokedex stuff later. <laughs> we should, but yes. I, I wanted to revisit our topic of which Pokemon you'd want to date because we've got, like, uh, like 200 new ones now. So And I you was, have brought uh, some strong contenders I did. to I our did. Facebook chat. I did. I did. So, okay, we're, this is a radio show, so I'm going to try to describe this. Yes. So, Buzzwole is one of the ultra beasts at the end of Pokemon that you get in the post game. So how, how would you describe this, Simone? This is the, the red one with the, the red one with glistening the pectoral the, muscles. Yeah. Yes. I would say there's a beautiful muscle man in armor before you, but then on his head, there is a bee's butt, like yeah. just a very long spike where a nose would be, some antenna, and a sort mm-hmm. of UFO-shaped head, which I guess is aerodynamic in a way that is pleasing. The, his most important yeah. feature are these large pectoral plates, which yes. are sunset-shaded um, <laughs> and just really, really big. Just so right. big. He's big. He, he's big. Yeah. So I'm just saying, if there it, there's were, a lot of girth, if, if there, <laughs> but his hands are gentle. Like he's wearing these gloves, which tells me yeah. like this isn't just a man made of metal. This is a man with soft hands. He kind of looks like the tick a little bit. Yeah. Oh God! Oh God! He kind of does though. You're Look at so it. right. He looks so, like the t- he looks like the tick, but in red and with a little more muscle. 
I, I think you would almost call his his beak like a steel rod of of power. I would call it it's a rod. right yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's right there. So, yeah, this is it's a Pokemon that if I think if you were writing some slash fiction, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a boys' love story, this would definitely be the the first Pokemon you'd want to pick of the the harsh principle, right? Like this would be the the very first one you'd want to go for. So, I want to know if the wool in Buzzwool is because he's swole, as in oh, it's got to be bro terms be. for ripped. Yeah. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So the second one, a total, total 180 here. Total 180. A soft yeah. jellyfish in white <laughs> and blue with sort of a frilly bonnet on its jelly head. Mm-hmm. Uh, and its transparent jelly head is covered in stars. I love this. This looks like a Pokemon that could swaddle me. Like, I don't need to be swaddled in my bed. I could be swaddled in this Pokemon by this Pokemon. Hopefully I wouldn't be digested while I'm swaddled. But I can try. I mean, it might work. I mean, and and it yeah, it looks very gentle. It looks squishy. It's soft, soft. That's the that's the, yeah. the better term. It looks very soft. It looks like you would have. It, it, its folds are nice. There, you you could folds. understand that you might be yes. That there there might be there definitely be some some opportunities. Um, <laughs> yes. So it's it's Nile ago, and I think you would almost call the 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 tentacles the way they just float down. It's almost sensual. I think yeah. you would say definitely. Um, like if Nile ago walked into a party, everyone would notice. You know, I kind of ship Nile ago and uh, um, Buzzwool. Uh, yes, I do. I kind of ship the two together. I kind Opposites of think attract. they would make it. I kind of think they would make a nice combination. Hard and soft. Yep. Red, white, and blue. <laughs> See, so the opposite uh, Pokemon of Buzzwool is this new Pokemon called uh, Feromosa. So you only yeah. get Feromosa in Pokemon Moon, which is the one I got. And I had to go to extreme lengths. And you know I did to go get Buzzwool up in my Pokedex. Because uh, your Feromosa, though, is like, um, it's almost like... It's she's almost like a Taylor Swift shaped Pokemon. She like is. she's so skinny. It's well, she, she's she's Taylor Swift shaped. Let's just be honest. Uh, she looks like a part of the female anatomy. Yeah, she does. She looks like the part of a female anatomy. Okay, yeah. and only her hair. No, it's no. The, I mean, the, I think it's the, the whole yeah. The line okay. and the the, the lines, oval. the whole thing is yeah. Yes, exactly. It, yeah. It's it's it's. Uh, oh, there's a Seinfeld. Oh, I just noticed something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, there there was a Seinfeld episode about it, and uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Dolores. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, yeah. The, but you're you're definitely right, Bree. This is the Taylor Swift of Pokemon. Yeah, yeah this, like, this she's Pokemon just, walks the runway in a Parisian fashion show. She even even her when feet. she's not a model, she's not even the model. She's just walking with the models because she's that great. <laughs> the models are her friends, and she just happens to be there. And everybody she doesn't like, have oh, a job. She just has money and is friends with and, models. And and everybody's like, oh, you could be a model too. She's like, oh, thanks. I'm gonna be a pop star instead. <laughs> So I don't think that the name or the shape is a coincidence, considering that she's named Faramosa. But no. yeah. moving on to <laughs> yeah. perhaps yeah. the most concerning of oh, the God. Pokemon that Brianna linked. Uh, this Guzzlord? one scares me. Wait, are we talking about Guzzlord here? Yeah. Guzzlord. Okay, explain, we've, explain Guzzlord because Guzzlord <laughs> freaks me out a little bit. Yeah, this is all we, you. We've got to talk about Guzzlord. Okay, we so Guzzlord it. has a head up top. Mm-hmm. It's very very small, and then imagine a giant bulbous body mm-hmm. and there for the nether regions is just a giant gaping mouth yep. with tentacle shooting out of the mouth in the nether regions with um claws like claws. alien claws, claws. Layers. So, so layers so of they, claws yeah so basically the nether region mouth has alien heads shooting out of it that kind of open up and down so yeah uh, this is a dragon <laughs> it's a dragon in a dark type pokemon oh. so uh yeah very very intense i think uh, very intense. when you say very nether intense. region mouth you mean nether but also stomach and in fact chest the mouth yeah. is yeah. not confined to any one region of it's Guzzler. all down yeah. there it's all down there. It's I mostly mean, mouth. I mean, I think that I, I could understand how this could be sensual and sexy, I suppose. 
but it also sort of scares me. There are yeah. three, I'm no, four, I'm counting four layers of teeth on the bottom half of See, this is yep. what I'm Guzzlord. saying. So, the, it, you know, done the right way, maybe it'd be okay, but I'm a little scared. Yes. And also um, Ankylosaurus tail. Yes. Concerning. Um, but, the, but, 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 but the pro side, you know, because there are multiple claws and multiple uh, accessories, I mean, this would be a great group <laughs> Pokemon. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A Just number make of people a- could enjoy this together. <laughs> this Pokemon could reach anything on a high shelf. Yes. It could it could really reach in deep. It could get hit all the right all it, it could it, yes. It's extremely so, big. Did either of you see billions? Uh because like this is a show about a couple that's very into sadomasochism, like punishing punishing oh, each other. Guzzlord would be great for that. Yeah. Guzzlord would be very good at Guzzlord, punishing yes. you. Yeah. Guzzlord is definitely your Fifty Shades of Pokemon. <laughs> that is so he's real. He's great. He's great. Is, he, he, yeah. He's your Christian Grey, if you will. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Good. Okay, wait. I want each of us to pick one. So, Brianna, pick one oh, of these three? Four. 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 I, I have to go with Dolores Pokemon. I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to yeah, go same. with yeah, Jellyfish yeah, Pokemon. Pheromosa. Pheromosa. Yeah, Pheromosa is my pick, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you're both sure. shallow. I just want to be swaddled by Jellyfish as much as I hate the sea. Uh, none for Guzzlord or Buzzwool. Goodbye. No, I, goodbye. No, Pheromosa is beautiful, and I just want to be – I want to feel pretty. She looks, I guess, the least like she would kill you, and she has a normal face, which means, like, presumably you could communicate and, like, emote on an emotional level. She's just pretty. Okay, okay that's I, fair. I could have said this. I'm going to say this, Simone. If it were, mm-hmm. if it were Mary Date Kill, oh, using yeah. the oh, there we go. Version, oh, there we go. If it were Mary Date Kill, um, I would probably kill Faramosa because she's a threat to my family. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would uh, date Buzzwell, and I'll probably uh, marry Nylago because Nylago is soft and, and, and supportive, and would okay. Nylago would help me accomplish my dreams. I think. Okay, so I would kill Guzzlord because <laughs> Guzzlord just freaks me out. Right, you just do the world um, a favor. I I I would date Faramosa. and I would marry uh, what's uh, what's the other one? Nylago. Uh, Nylago. <laughs> no, no, not, not Nylago. Uh, the one, of, not, the one that's not Nylago. Buzzwell. Taylor Swift. Uh, Buzzwell. Faramosa. No, Buzzwell. No, no, no. The red one. Buzzwell. Oh, Buzzwell. I, yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd marry Buzzwell. Uh, Why? I, I would date Faramosa. Uh, because it looks like because you know what he would carry my groceries in. He would he would take care of the plumbing, take care of like the yeah the stuff around the house. Yeah. Okay, that's and, yeah. very and, true. And and, and 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 when needed, you know, we would have fun too. Uh, Faramosa would be who I would rather date. Like that would be the one I would would just love that. But see, here's yeah. the thing: I know that Faramosa wouldn't be a great mate because she's too pretty. It's yeah. true. I'm not like pretty enough. So I would like marrying her like would be hard because she would always have her eyes someplace else, and I'd always be afraid that she would be have her eyes someplace <laughs> Faramosa else. Faramosa is and, literally the character where there's a movie where like a couple's trying to get a surrogate yep. to be the mother of their child, and, and, then, and the then the surrogate the has an affair with the husband. Yes, yes, yes. That's Faramosa, Fer- right that there. That is why you don't let Faramosa, you don't marry Faramosa. You date Faramosa. You don't marry yeah. her. She's um, a Pokemon. But, but, it's not her but, fault. She can't control it. But her name is no. literally Pheromone. Exactly. Uh, but, but, but Buzzwall I would marry. And then and then Guzzlord I, I would kill. Why just because... no love for Nylago? Because Nylago does nothing for me. Oh, my God. You said it was soft. <laughs> okay. I have to say I am. Very soft. I'm just, but, but we have three choices. There are four Pokemon. One of them has to go away. I'm saying Nylago. I'm not killing it. I'm just saying it's. It just doesn't there. exist for you. That's because it it's doesn't... married to me. I'd marry Nylago. <laughs> kill Buzzlord. Buzz. No, sorry. Sorry. Kill Guzzlord. Kill Guzzlord. Yes. This strange, large monstrosity. Um. Uh, yeah, probably date Faramosa. That'd be a see? good time. See? See? Yep. See? Yep. Yep. I see. I see. It's it's the logical <laughs> thing to do. So, um, <laughs> speaking of more logical things. Let us know on Twitter. Seriously. Yeah, let us yeah, know. Please at, tell us. At, at, at oh. underscore rocket FM, like let us know which wh- what what your date Mary uh, so kill list is. So all these are the ultra beasts in Pokemon Sun and Moon. So just look it up. All the ultra beasts, and we'll put the photos in the show know. notes. Yeah, we'll do that. Um, and play the game, and then talk to me and help me fill up my Pokedex by trading Pokemon. It's so good. 
All right. What are you up to this week, Brianna Wu? Oh, my God. So I have not been able to speak for a month. <laughs> so I've done like nonstop interviews, uh, like uh, just constantly catching up on stuff. Like when you're trying to lead a company, and you can't talk to anybody. A lot of stuff falls through the cracks. So um, I'm doing that. Uh, I talked about it a little bit on the show, but uh, I really am very, very, very seriously thinking about running for the house uh, here in Massachusetts uh, for 2018. Uh, it would be a really big commitment and it's, it's frankly very scary. Uh, but you know, um, it's, uh, it's something I'm really thinking about doing, uh, you know, with, with Trump in the white house, I think there's a, a sense that it's really time for other people to step up and kind of make her voices heard. And, you know, I've seen so many of these stories coming out about the, just an avalanche of women interested in running for office after Hillary Clinton. Uh, it's just, I, I want to be part of that. So uh, we're talking to fundraising people and looking at staff. So that's a lot of what I'm up to this week. It makes me really happy that that's the, the reaction that's happening. Um, and ah, that's exciting for you. Uh, Christina, what are you up to? I'm just getting some end of year stuff um, underway. I will be out of town the latter half of next week and a little bit into the week after that. Um, so just getting some end of year stuff out of the way, including uh, worst gadgets of 2016 list. Ooh. Spoiler alert for people on this podcast. Uh, the Galaxy Note 7 <laughs> is the worst gadget of, of 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because if you explode and get recalled, then yeah, yeah you're, the worst. You're, the, you're, you're the worst. You're the worst. Through the ground Weirdly, there were like a lot of recalled devices. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either until I was like making the list. I was like, "Huh, yeah, okay." You blow up in people's faces. You get on the you get on the list. Like it's the rule. But no. Um. So I'm working on that. Some other end of year content. So that'll be fun. Nice. Fun. I am also working on game of the year stuff uh, and frantically Ooh. like just tying up loose ends with games that I never had a chance to play. Like what, for example, Stardew Valley. Uh, which spoiler alert is making my list. I'm finally playing it now that it's out on PS4. Is it good? It's I haven't so played it. Freaking good, Bree! Oh my god! Oh. And it's literally like it's it's very it's very sweet. And I'm not sure how you feel about things that are just wholesome and pure and nice. But it is all of those things as yeah, well as I'm being like a yeah. brutally addictive gameplay loop. So yeah. um, I'm very into it. Um, okay, I have to ask you. What what where do you come now in Final Fantasy fifteen? Where what 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 do you think? I'm not even interested in it. I okay, so I play it in uh, I I'm just gonna be honest, all four of the guys in that, like the feminist in me is pissed that there are no women in this game. And then it's like everyone the the characters is just so pretty. <laughs> like and I'm I into that. Respectfully but, want to throw Ignis into a volcano. Really? Oh I my god. Despise. Okay. Okay, we yeah, this is a, a this is a whole topic. This is so, a whole after show. But it's such a bad game. It's such a bad game. I can't get into it. And I feel bad cuz I'm obsessed I with know. Final Fantasy. I know. I relate to this. I literally like I went to that Square Enix event um with Allegra and I watched her play it twice. I watched her play the demo through twice. And it just looked so boring and just the yeah. the fact that they are releasing a patch to add more narrative yeah and i i say yeah. this as like i polygon uh phil kohler loved it he absolutely loved it he gave it i think a 9.5 or a 9 um i respect people who like it but i just have nothing about it has said to me simone hey come play this and i i'm saying this as a person who like is all into just you know those gay boys running around and having a good time together like that. That sounds like my brand as much as I'd be sad that there are no women in it. Like there's something there to, for me. Uh, but no, I have not seen a single thing that's like, come, come to us, Simone, come play this game and enjoy okay. your life. I have to say this. Okay. Christina, I know you're a final fantasy fan. You yes. remember final fantasy seven coming out in the opening being <sighs> so cinematic yeah. and awesome and epic and the same thing for final fantasy eight yes eight even more so i think like the, yeah, the motion graphics and eight were like insane or or six the way it started yeah. a story with tara being under mind control this final fantasy amazingly stupidly clumsily assumes 
that you went out and spent $15 on the Kingsclave DVD <laughs> and have seen that already to play the game. And it starts off and you have no idea who uh, Noctis' father is. He just sends him off on this mission. And then, spoiler, he dies. And there's this entire thing. Like, you don't know who any of the characters are. They don't give any of the backstory. And it's so clumsily and poorly told. And it assumes that you're a mega Final Fantasy fan and have seen all this media. It makes no sense on its own. And it's just, I, I, I don't understand anyone that loves it. I, I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> so, Sorry. Brianna, where can yes. we find you online to read your you important can, Final Fantasy thoughts? You can finally see me on podcasts again. Hey. And you can see me on, you can hear me on uh, Space Cat on Twitter. Nice. Christina, what about you? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters, the Instagrams, the Snapchats, and you can find my writing at gizmodo.com. All right. You can find me online, youtube.com slash polygon, on Twitter at doomquasar, uh, and right here on this podcast every week, except next week. No, the week after. Who knows when week I'm going after. on vacation yeah. to Washington. Doesn't matter. If you like this podcast, please consider leaving a review on iTunes as a Christmas gift, an early Christmas gift to us. And I'll be saying that for the next two weeks as I remind you that it is the holidays and we like reviews. We do. Please, please, for for, for Christmas or Hanukkah, um, please give us a review. help other people find this podcast. You're giving a gift to them as well. Uh, And this episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.